It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the midweek edition prior to the Cardiff home match. On the line tonight, I've got our Welsh clubs specialist, Dave Finn. Thank you. I feel very pigeonholed. <laughs> and William Davis is on the line too. Good evening, lads. How are you? I mean, he's actually Welsh. Yeah, Half that's Welsh. why I made. That's, that's, <laughs> well, that's why I said you were the club specialist. You you see more Welsh rug, club rugby than we do. Before we get into us having a great chat, William, who who was at the press conference today with you, with yourself and Dave? Yeah, it was uh, Alex Wooten and uh, Andy Friend. Alex, when we spoke back in uh, October, before the Cardiff game, it was actually the last time I think you were up at a press conference, um, you talked about seizing the opportunity and, you know, looking to get game time. It's It's gone really well for you. You've, you've had plenty of starts. You've had plenty of tries. You fit it in really well. You must you must be pleased how it's going. Yeah, I am. Um I think the the biggest thing um, for me is obviously game time. That was um, that was the biggest thing coming here um, was trying to find a, a spot in, a t- in the team, and uh, obviously then, like you just said, there um, seizing the opportunity. But it's been so much more than uh, than I expected it to be honest. Um, everybody here has been so welcoming, like you said there. Um, I fitted in relatively well, um, and the guys just. Um, a second to none. So yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely no complaints. Just looking at where Connacht are, this this is a this is a huge game. You're six points ahead of Cardiff, and you have a game in hand on them. So how are you setting up for this? Yeah, look, um, we try to concentrate on ourselves as much as possible, and obviously we're sitting there second behind Munster in, in our uh, conference um, with the, the five games left. Um, it's just about putting as many points on on that. Uh, tally that we have so far um, we're aware obviously Carlos will be coming here um, trying to find a win um, they beat us fairly convincingly in the end um, back in October um, so we'll be trying to right some wrongs there as well so yeah look it's a cliche of every game comes um, and by itself and we're looking at this one very much by itself as well and it's just hopefully we can come back on um, on top um, but Connacht's away form has been really really good and the home form hasn't been being quite so good. Can you can you put any finger on that? Do the are the away games different now because of the way you're going to them and the fact that there's no fans there? Does it have a different feel? hundred oh, percent, it has a different feel. Um, I've only experienced, I suppose, the sports ground being a uh, visitor as well. Um, so, yeah, our home our home performances, you know, it's not as if they have been um, a million miles away from the wins that we've had on the road. Um, it's just. I suppose we played against a better opposition, you could say, um, at home. It's just fallen like that. But um, my experience anyway, the, um, I don't think the weather, I think maybe the weather was dry on um, one of those games. So I suppose that's just the Galway weather. But um, look, the other team had to play in those, um, in those conditions as well. But um, I think it's definitely something which um, we can tighten up on. Um, but yeah, going back to your point about there's no fans in the stadiums, I think it's definitely a leveller. Yeah, 100%, you know, um, um, teams come here I suppose thinking that there's no crowd shouting down the neck uh, for 80 minutes is a little bit of an easier ride so yeah that, I'm sure that has a little bit of a, uh, a push Look, Looking again at Cardiff they they're, they don't score a lot of tries they don't let in a lot of tries is this the sort of game where you you really need to be clinical if, if, if you get chances you mightn't get many it could be a game played between the two twenty two. so 
spotlights on players like yourself. If you get the opportunity out wide, it's 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 back to seize the day again, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. Look, it's I think that's the same as any game. Look, defenses are so good nowadays, especially in the uh, in their own half. Um, that you know you get one or two opportunities, especially as a, a back three player, and you've got to take those opportunities while you can. Um, that's really the way the game's gone. Um, whether you, whichever opposition you're playing. Um, but these guys, especially, yeah, they like to um, come up and in. So whether or not it's going to be an expansive game this weekend, I'm not too sure. There'll be a few factors to play in that. But um, like you said, yeah, there'll be a few opportunities like there is every game, um, which is whether or not we take them. Can we start with a bit of housekeeping, Andy? Um, Bundiaki, Dave Heffernan, Ulton Delan back from Ireland. Are they fully available minutes-wise and training-wise for you? Yeah, they are, William. So. Um, all boys were here yesterday, Alty, because he, he played on Sunday, albeit minimal minutes, but he pl- did play on Sunday. He, he was just here as an observer yesterday. The other fellas did train with us, and they all all three just trained with us then. So they are all available, and they're all uh, fit and eager to play. And they hope to be selected. Yes, so that happens tonight. <laughs> um, now, some poor news for two players. Quinn Rue, surgery, out for about three months, and Peter Robb, surgery. And an unspecified time. That's disappointing for them, but particularly Quinn, who was playing some really good rugby, both for Connacht and potentially Ireland. Yeah, it is a shame for him. He, he's had this ongoing shoulder um, that's given him some grief. In fact, the whole time I've been here, so and there hasn't been a window for him. So um, th- this is a, an opportunity for him to go and get that done and uh, hopefully get sorted. And we see Quinn coming back fit and able to to do the things that he does. Um, looking ahead, Cardiff at the weekend. Uh, it's a big game. You're six points ahead of them. You have a game in hand. Uh, you're seven points ahead of the Scarlets, and you have a game in hand on them as well. So this this is a big opportunity to to increase that gap. Um, but the performance at Newport when you played them, it was played at the Rodney Parade. That was the most disappointing performance, or could I say the worst perform- away performance of the season? Probably the most disappointing. Um, I just remember it being a real arm wrestle. I think it was 3-0 at halftime from memory. Uh, and then maybe 10-3 they went away to. Um, and then we clawed our way back. Uh, and then we just had that. There was a passage of play that, again, from memory, it went on for about five minutes. And, it, and sitting there watching it, I remember thinking, whoever scores here will win the game. And I thought it was going to be us. And I thought it was going to be them. And I thought it was going to be us. And it was them. So, uh, And then the game just sort of got away from us. They ended up scoring three more tries or two more tries after that to get a bonus point. So it was a disappointing one, William. Um, at the same time, I, I thought, and I said that to John Mulwood, who was the coach on that night, I thought that's the best I've seen that Cardiff play um, in the time that I've been here. Since then, as, as we're all aware, there's been a change of coach. Uh, this will be the first time that Di Young's had a, an extended period of time with that team coming here. As we know, our, our home form hasn't been what it needs to be. So we, we're hoping that um, we can be much, much better here. And, and the big word for us is just being clinical, being clinical when it really matters uh, against a side that's a very, very good defensive side. So that's the challenge that lies ahead of us. Yeah, they, they don't concede many tries. They don't score a lot either. But it, it's the sort of game where you opportunities might be very limited. Is there a concern that because of the gap, another two-week gap in there, that you mightn't be sharp enough? Or do you just have to get on with it but this stopping and starting doesn't help sharpness does it 
No, it doesn't. But but they've been in the same boat. Like they they played a game on the weekend against uh, on Friday night, um, similar to our Eagles game against Munster. They played against the Ospreys, a bit of a PC side. Um, so they'll have players in a very similar boat. It is just what it is at the moment. There's no point complaining about it. You've just got to get on with it. You can't use it as an excuse. So we certainly won't be. What is pleasing, though, is we've got this game and then four more games after it. So a run of five games, hopefully six games coming up, which... Um, which is exactly what players and coaches want. So we're looking forward to that. Yeah, the home form. Uh, Alec Wooten there was up for us, talked about it, and dealing with the conditions. Is it a case that really you've got to get better at playing in your home conditions? That It's been referenced a lot now by uh, players and management that the type of rugby you're trying to play can be very tough at the sports ground. Do you nearly need to, to tweak it a bit or tweak it on the night? Do, do you sometimes overplay in the conditions? Is, is that an issue and is that something that's foremost in your in your mind? We have been guilty of that, without a doubt. Um, you know, and and uh, that, that shouldn't be the case because if anybody knows the conditions better than... Uh, well, any team knows it better, it should be us. But we have definitely been guilty of that. I think the other thing we've been guilty of is, is it being clinical at the right moments. But potentially that leads into the type of game we've been trying to play too. So, um, I, you know, we need to find that balance because I don't want to temper it and say, well, we lose our identity of the way we want to play. But at the same time, I certainly want to arrest the frustration of not winning home games. So, it's finding that balance. And that session that we were just on there was was another one where we were challenging the players with that mindset and that mentality around, you know, we provide a couple of scenarios. Here's the conditions. Here's the score. Here's what you've got. Play. Um, and and we've just got to get better as a group to, to deliver when we're under those under that pressure. And finally, you're, you're talking about being clinical there, but what else is the, is the key to this this game on, on Saturday? Well, where they've heard us previously, William has been at the breakdown. Um, they're a team that actually attacks the ball uh, really well, so we're aware of that. Um, we know that their jackal, jackal threat comes from the inside, so we've got to work really hard as a ball carrier to to not give them easy options there. Um, so the ball carrier is king in, in that instance, as well as the speed of our support. So if we can look after that ball um, and we can, uh, as we've been doing of late, play on top of teams, which has been a, a feature, I think, of our game, as well as our kicking game, um, then we should, you know, we should cause them some trouble. At the same time, we've worked really hard on our defence. Uh, we're going to have to defend well. They like to come into those wide channels, so our spacing is going to be really important. And if we can get that right again, I think we can nullify their attack. Uh, Andy, is the aim of the next four or five weeks to go in to make sure that European qualification is secured so that our final game, that which could effectively be a shootout against the Scarlets, is to make sure that that isn't a shootout, that you have enough points to have guaranteed European qualification? Or can you even look beyond this weekend at this stage? Well, we, we've just talked about... We, I think we can look beyond this weekend because um, we, we actually still hold a glimmer of hope that uh, we could catch Munster. We know we've got them in two weeks' time or three weeks' time. Um, they've got some tough games, as do we, but the only thing we can control is winning games of football. So uh, our intention is to try and do that over these next five games. Um, in terms of European qualification, at, at this particular point in time, we're in a good spot, so it's probably ours to lose. Uh, we haven't talked about that, to be honest with you, Dave. As a coaching group, we've had a chat about that, but as a playing group, we haven't. Um, but it's really just about, you know, 
each game trying to etch up that win. Ideally, a bonus point win would be great um, and, and, and hope, sit back and hope that Munster um, have a trip. And if they do, well, then we get a little bit closer. So that's the way we're approaching it. And have you seen anything different that Di Young has brought in comparison to John Mulverhill? Have they changed in any way that would be, that you know, that you've noticed that would mean that your approach to this game is different to how you approach the game in Newport? I haven't seen anything, but in fairness too, I, I don't believe, I know those first couple of games when Di came in, I think he just came in as an overseer. Um, so I, I'm assuming, uh, well, I know for a fact after, after their last game, which was the Scarlets game, they've had a chunk of training and I'm sure... I'm sure there's going to be something different, but we'll be the first team to to face the the die young side, the die young Cardiff. So I'll probably let you know on Saturday night, mate, if there's anything different. Okay, some some really interesting stuff there. And William, what else was said there that we didn't include? Well, I'll start with what was said, which was Alex Wooten talking about seizing his chance because he he spoke to us before the Cardiff game uh, in October when he was very new to the whole setup and. He was a little reticent then because he didn't quite know, I think, where the lie of the land was. But I think now he's become a central part of this team. And he's done, he's taken the chance that people talk about players coming to Connacht for. He's, he's had game time. He scored tries. He was pretty honest in the, in a bit, a little bit later than when he was talking to me, when he said that he was begging for game time in Munster, having come back from injury and he didn't get it. Um, so I think he's grateful to have got the opportunity here, but he has to be applauded for taking that opportunity and showing, showing what he can do. Then we get, we get to what Andy was talking about was just how they're going to have to, to line up for this Cardiff side who are, they don't score a lot of tries, but they don't concede much. It's just how important this game is. They want to be playing rugby again, but, but, but they need the points. I thought it was interesting later on in the press conference, um, he talked about the difficulties that we have. At, we have difficulties at home. Connacht are not winning enough home games. They seem to stick to the plan more away. Uh, but when the pressure comes on, players seem to maybe go off in different directions a bit and they, they start doing solo runs and people are trying to win the game on their own because they feel really pressurised. He wants cohesiveness. He wants 15 guys playing as a team. He doesn't want individualism. He's talked about it obliquely a couple of times, but today he was much more open about it. But I, I just thought it was a very purposeful press conference today. It uh, it had a bit more, not not an edge, but it had a real focus to it, I think is the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah, Dave, I, I felt that looking, looking back at it. How did it feel actually being there live? Like, you know, I know I know William stole one of your questions, but like you still got a couple of good questions in there. You see, I almost divide... Conic press conferences into people from it's I hate to use the word but it is west east of the Shannon people from <laughs> east of the Shannon have their own agendas you'll see there's a clear divergence of the type of questions and what they're being asked about from east of the Shannon and Dublin based and then west of the Shannon and my, William William sets everything up nicely and to be honest with you there was no need to ask the question to Alex because because William had got in there first and that's how mm-hmm. we think we do think along similar lines mm. I wanted to know from from Andy, what did he feel about Di Young in terms of when he went over there, John Mulverhill uh, had them playing a certain way. Now, it seems to have gone pear-shaped and Di Young has come in. Now, the last time we encountered Di Young was up in Athlone and that was one of the worst... Perform- now, I accept it was a pre-season friendly, but you could tell the difference of a team 
that hadn't been working a long time with a coach and a team that had, there was definitely much more purpose to it now. And it's significant that Da Young has gone in there and their first game, uh, they struggled against the Dragons. They then uh, they then got a good wing against the Scarlets, but then were pummeled by the Ospreys. Now, they came out last weekend and they had a very good win uh, against an Ospreys B-sign, but a bit like the Eagles game, it's very hard to judge. Without, I haven't seen the team list, so I don't know how full strength either side was. There was a lot of guys, experienced guys in that team last weekend. And he seemed to be wanting to not downplay how, how much time Dai Young has now had. He's had three weeks does seem to be a much more positive attitude. These are the last five games of the season, European qualification, which is hugely important both in terms of finances and attracting players, is within our hands. And there does seem to be a, a focus that maybe was a bit drifty when nobody knew what the fixtures were. Nobody knew exactly what was going to happen after the end of March. There now seems to be a focus. And I, 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 think, um, I think they're very much looking at this as you know, but they have to. This is the be-all and end of the season, not just for this season, but also looking ahead to next season. It certainly is. Now, before we get talking about the Cardiff game, we'll leave that to near the end of the podcast. We were at the Eagles match at the weekend. I'm going to tie this into to the injury list. I'm going to get William to, to call out. But before William does the injury list, let's hear what, what um, yourself, Dave, and William thought of some of the players that played in that Eagles match last weekend against Munster. Well, let's look at the forwards first. Um, I thought Keeper and the guess was outstanding. I thought he was absolutely superb. Uh, I was talking to Luke Murphy there, and Luke said he's a quiet guy. Well, he wasn't quiet at times today. Um, he was ordering players around, telling them where to stand in line-outs. Um, certainly seemed to take on the mantle when um, when Shawnee went off. Uh, Shawnee Masson, again, energetic, not always, you know, sometimes still a little bit uh, out of control at times. Uh, impressed by the guys who came on early because when we also lost Darren Murray before even Sean had gone off Darren Murray, Murray had gone off and I thought the two lads that came on um, Coslo and, and McCormick and also the, the lad whose name Dunica Byrne Dunica Byrne he steadied the ship as well DTM did some brilliant stuff he'll be disappointed with his line out thrown but on the loose he was everywhere and I did think that Connor Kenny when he came on now it wasn't that McCoy had played badly but we were worried that Lockman came on and destroyed Charlie Ward in the first scrum when Paddy was in the bin. But I thought Conor Kenny came on and literally and metaphorically had a huge impact. But if I was taking one player out, Prendergast, I thought was outstanding. Indeed. So, in the backs, then William has... <laughs> Dave has covered all the forwards there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's need to cover all the backs. Uh, it, it, it was more a day for forwards. Um, Conor Fitzgerald at 10, very impressive. Seemed to link up well with uh, Colm Riley and... It took responsibility a couple of times, a couple of really good breaks, took his try really well, great conversion. Um, kicking from hand was a bit average in the first half because he had the win. Second half, he actually did quite well kicking into the wind. Tiernan O'Halloran did make a difference. Connor Dean came into the game. I mean, he was at fullback to start with, and he seemed to, to go into to out half. They, they, they messed around with that a little bit. Um, he came in, he made a couple of good tackles. After that, uh, the two wingers, uh, Oren McNulty, uh, particularly stood out there. David Kilgallen had a couple of chances, but McNulty, who I think is a player they're quite keen on here, but uh, Conor Fitzgerald, yeah, also got a bad bang on his hand, but kept going. Uh, was eventually was replaced right at the end, but overall, I think he was the, he was the standout back. Okay, and, and you know to tie that together, William, we have a we have an injury list today that includes Quinn Rubin injured but give us the injury list and then we'll talk about that afterwards it's quite a detailed squad update 
it's 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 not all bad news. But mm. first bit of news is Jared Butler. He wasn't actually on the list, but I've confirmed he's back training. He should be available for the weekend because he injured his calf prior to the match against the Dragons. Uh, Quinn Rue is had surgery on a shoulder problem. He came back from Ireland camp, didn't get a Six Nations game. Uh, it's described as a long-standing injury, and this is an opportunity to fix it. Its suggestion is that they've been trying to manage it for a period of time. But he is going to be out for about three months. Uh, Peter Robb, who got injured in the game against the Dragons, um, he's had surgery on a, a stomach chest, so it's a stomach muscle chest area issue, and there's no specification as to when he's coming back. From the Eagles game, two players are injured. Connor Dean with a shoulder. Uh, it's being rested and reviewed, but he's not available this week. And Sean O'Brien, who we would call Sean O'Brien Sr., uh, damaged his neck in that game, and he's on a similar thing of being managed and rested, but there doesn't seem to be any particular treatments. Uh, Peter Robb, sorry, I should have said his abdomen rather than chest. Stephen Karen's knee is progressing well and he'll integrate into training in a couple of weeks. Ben O'Donnell, who had a HIA injury or failure against uh, Munster, uh, seems to have picked up a chest injury in that game. And he's being observed or is on his way back, but he's not training. And then on the more long-term injuries, Sam Arnold with his chest, he's had surgery. Tom Farrell on his knee, which was a long time in early, very early in the season. Stephen Fitzgerald knee and Killian Gallagher shoulder uh, are coming back from really long-term injuries, but they have, it has to be said, passed the initial dates of return that we were given. But I think what we've learned over the years is players don't rehab at the same pace. It just doesn't happen. The injuries are slightly different. And some players come back quicker than the medics think, and some are a bit slower. And I don't think they're going to rush either of them. So that that's where we are. Quinroo is, is is the obvious loss, but you know, yeah, yeah. And if it, so so to tie that up with our our match day um, quick review we did there on the Eagles match, Kean Prendergast was particularly impressive that day, Dave. Um, and also in in the previous game against the Dragons, I thought uh, Oshin Dowling did a fantastic job when he came on the field. So maybe things aren't as bad as they. They normally are when we get a, a big injury like that. No, they're, they're definitely not in terms of locks. I mean, Dowling, Dowling impressed. Uh, Niall Murray uh, is, you know, for a young lad, he he's he doesn't seem overawed. Um, and of course, uh, Big Gaff Thornbury is going to be there. Alton's going to be back. So in fact, we weirdly we're we're pretty strong at lock this week. I think where the problem will arise will be for Trevizo. You'll need to talk about next week, especially in the centre. Mm-hmm. But there are players coming on. I wonder if they see Prendergast more of a six than a than a four or five, because he had, when he came on the last when he came on in France he came on in the back row. But um, yeah, I was like I say I was very impressed with Prendergast last weekend, and I like I say for this week I think we're fine. But there will be call ups again for the game for you know when everybody heads off to Italy, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how many are going to Rome and how many are going to to Treviso. So. You know, let we'll worry about we'll worry about next week, next week. But you just think this this week will get over. So in other words, this we do need to win this weekend because we won't be as as strong the following week because guys will get called up to the Ireland squad. Talking about the Ireland squad, um, one of our patrons who signed up to us on Patreon, Tim Shine, has been 
chatting away to us on the, the Patreon site. If you want to talk to us, that's a, that's a good place to go to it. Uh, Patreon.com slash Craggy Rugby. You can listen to all our podcasts that we have in there. It's one of the places to, to listen to. We have some, you know, uh, Patreon-only podcasts we throw up there as well. So if you want to go and have a, a listen, you can also chat to us. So, so Tim makes the point that Connacht aren't all that relevant to the Irish rugby team at the moment. When you look at the, the squad for the French game, um, full of Leinster and Munster players and we didn't end up playing that well and then in the post-match straight afterwards um, we, we we hear on TV TV3 and this is the question actually there was a question from TV3 or there was a discussion on TV3 about you know what should happen to the out-halves and specifically Harry Byrne um, and here's what Lindley asked Andy and how Andy answered that question today the discussion that was had um, from from Matt Williams about having to send the likes of one of the Burns down to Connacht, and and so Jack has to just put up with it. How would you feel as the coach about that? As you say, we've got we've got some real quality here, so um, I actually don't see an opening in the number ten jersey here at Connacht. Yeah, I think um, Andy made it, his feelings very clear that you know the ten position is pretty solid in. Connacht at the moment because another player who played well that day against the Eagles was Conor Fitzgerald, William. Yeah, I, I think he did. Um, I, 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 yeah, I can understand to some extent where, where TV3 were trying to open this discussion about, but this idea that you can just move a player down to Connacht and he's going to start and he's going to do this. Players, when they come here, are under no illusion. They have to show what they can do uh, to the coaches and in training, and they will get their chance. There's nobody nailed on to play here. I, I've come to this conclusion that everybody's playing for their place on a pretty fairly regular basis. And I, I, I think that's that's part of the team ethos. So there was <laughs> it was just a very odd idea uh, that, yeah, we're going to move Harry Byrne. Let's, let's move Harry Byrne down. He can start. We'll see what he's like. And then when he's ready, we'll bring him back to Leinster and he can go and play for Ireland. <laughs> Uh, I think I, I think it came from. I think it probably was prompted by Brian O'Driscoll last week talking about the fact that Harry Byrne should be brought straight into the squad because you know he's a really talented player, and then he admits that he's never seen him play live, which I thought was an incredible statement to make. Um, and, and then today, and then today he comes out again today and decides that no, maybe he's not doing something in training that we're obviously not seeing, and that Jack Carty should start for Ireland, <laughs> which is a hell of a, a hell of a turnaround. I think everybody's a bit confused. But it is that, Dave. Dave, it is, as you say, it's that idea east of the Shannon as against what happens west of the Shannon. And it, oh, it's hugely oh, frustrating. I thought oh, you you put out a brilliant set of tweets on it the other day. And I went, yep, that, that's great stuff. Well done, Dave. I understand the idea that you need, there cannot be a stockpiling of guys in one province. But there's two aspects for that that completely went over these guys' heads. And what you had in the studio was you had a Dublin-based journalist talking to a Dublin-based uh, coach and journalist journalist and talking to a guy who plays for who plays for Leinster and Owen Redden fair play at times tried to make you know make the point that Jack wouldn't be impressed if he decided to 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 Mm -hmm. move uh, Harry Byrne down but the the tone was move somebody to Connacht so they can get some game time in the Pro 14 so they're playing regularly so they can do it for Ireland no mention of the fact that is this good for Connacht but secondly there's never been a mention about moving anybody else to Connacht because they're talking Mm. about moving Harry Byrne who isn't capped yet but when they talk about capped players being moved so they get game time, so they're not all with, with Leinster. But they moved Jack McGrath, they moved Jordy Murphy, they moved Marky Moore back from Wasps, they brought Madigan back from Bristol, they moved John Cooney up there. 
and it has done next to nothing for their international careers. This idea that you would then move to get game time. Well, if the national selectors are picking the guys number three at Leinster, fly half for Leinster is being brought into the squad. Number two, scrum half for Munster is making the squad. But number one at Ulster and number one at Connacht aren't making the squad. Where is the incentive? for a Leinster player to move away from that because he is better off, maybe not getting as much of the game time in the European games and the, the final stages of the Pro 14, but he's getting Pro 14 games when the other guys are, ironically enough, are away with the Ireland squad, and then he'll get picked for Ireland. The guys who do come here, they want to play rugby. They know they're not in line for Ireland camps, and that's why someone like Tom Daly has thrived here because he wants to play rugby. Alex Wooten has thrived here because he wants to play rugby. Sam Arnold to play rugby you're seeing it and, and, and that's and that's why Ireland caps are not their be all and end all yeah I was about to say and that's that's obviously where the European qualification to Europe is so important for Connacht because it's not necessarily qualification to play I just to, to get in the Irish squad but it's to play at the highest level possible which is European Cup rugby which to me I much more enjoy watching European Cup rugby than I do international rugby because it's far more exciting for the most part and far more entertaining. Yeah, just just on the Ireland on the on the Ireland thing. Look, Ireland is is the, is the money, so there has to be a realization that that's if there's no Ireland, there's 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 no money. Therefore, there's no provinces. Yeah, so I, get have, they, I get that. They have, I get that. They have to put that at the top of the pyramid. So they, they do, but what I don't agree with what I don't agree with is the top of the pyramid being the Six Nations. To me, the top of the pyramid is the World Cup. And this time, oh, it was, again, it was spoken about again today by someone saying that the Six Nations is the be-all and end-all and that that's where all the money comes from. But back in the 90s, when Ireland were rubbish, they still filled out Lansdowne Road and they would do now, assuming we could get people back in to watch games. People will still go and watch rugby games, international rugby games in the Six Nations, whether Ireland are winning or not. That was never a kid. The only game you could ever get tickets to were the Italian games because it was the Italian games and they didn't have that many fans coming over because you have so many fans coming from England, Scotland and Wales here. You know, they sold it out. So this idea that they have to do well is rubbish as far as I'm concerned. And so we've got a situation where we've got guys who don't have enough experience because they don't get picked. I understand where they're coming from. They've got themselves into a muddle on this. I don't think it's as... I think the press get a lot of fun out of this. I suspect they have more of a plan. At, they know what they want. We mightn't agree with it. I don't think they're looking at guys who haven't made Leinster squads. Uh, I think the press love flying that that particular kite. Um, yeah, but, but hang I on think, a minute, William. You're still in this situation. Back in the 80s, when I started, you know, when I was young enough... Alan, Alan we're know, not talking about the 80s. It's but, 2021. But, but, I am. The game, okay, I know, the game has changed, but the selection policy in Ireland hasn't. You couldn't get off the Irish team back then, and you can't get off it now. You just keep playing them and kind of keep talking about the same thing. You couldn't pick players because they were, how can you drop him? He's so good. You can't drop him. He's too good. You know, and that, that's been there in Ireland forever. There's a lack of faith in what young guys can do. doesn't always work. I'm not saying we throw everybody young in there, but it would be nice to be able to bring guys through. We had a world-class scrum half and a world-class out half. The scrum half wasn't playing well, didn't play well for three years. You could have had, with the world-class out half sitting there, brought on two or three more scrum halves in that time. Then when, the, when scrum half comes back, which Murray has done now, I think he's playing really good rugby. Sexton is now isn't quite where he was. Now you've got a, a scrum half can bring out halves through. I just get frustrated by that. But the key that came out of today, I think, all road was, there is a de- or, or from the weekend, there's a degree of ignorance about what's going on at Connacht. We know that. Yeah. And there's also the fact that there are no free lunches at Connacht either. If you want to come down here and play, we're delighted to have you. You'll come down and compete for your place. And that's yeah. 
good to hear. And that's what you want. That's all the players mm. can want, and that's all the fans can want. And 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 playing a style of rugby that certainly Ireland don't play, um, and a style of rugby that seems to be very enjoyable. And you know, you look at you look at Wooden's stats. He scored an average of a try every three games at Munster. It's 1.25 games with Connacht. So he's due a try at the weekend, folks, if you want to, if you're thinking about putting a little bet on, he's due one. I'm not saying he will score, but, you know, based on his statistics, he's due to score a try in the second half. Right, on to the Cardiff game, and it's going to be a tough one. Uh, Danny sent some stats on on how Connacht are doing in their visits to the 22 during the season. Um, and they average scoring nearly 50% of the time. So every time, if they get in there twice, they'll score. Um, once however against Cardiff they only did that 13% of the time because Cardiff have the third best defence in the league I think that was mentioned by you earlier on William um, and the only other team that did better than that was Munster and they've got the best defence in the league so what 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 are we going to do to, to win this game it seems like we're going to struggle to score against these guys I think the game in Newport was a bit of an outlier it was a really odd game it was the worst away performance of the season Andy wouldn't agree with that today, which is fair enough. Coaches don't use the word worst. Uh, they're very good defensively. They're very proud of their defence. It's something that John Mulville used to talk about a lot. Dai Young might try to expand them a little bit because they had become quite one-dimensional. It's a game they have to win. They, they've already played 12 games. They, they, they're the okay, okay. Let, let's, start, let's stop you there. Dave, you've actually watched a bit more than, than uh, myself or William have. What, what are your thoughts on this? Do you... like? Do they struggle more away I, from I, home? I or, genuinely or? don't know. I, I They are a <laughs> baffling team. You have no idea what they're going to do. They were brilliant. They have been brilliant against us. And then they have stunk the house out. I saw some very brief highlights of that game against the, Os- uh, the Ospreys. Now, again, I have no idea what the Ospreys team was like in terms of experience. Okay, this um, is their A game last weekend. This was their A game, but they yeah. were spreading it out. There were some good tries. There's a couple of players coming back from injury. Ellis Jenkins, the club captain, is coming back after two years out. Now, it was his first run out in two years. Whether or not they'll decide to use him is another story altogether. But given that Navidi is is injured and with Wales and Bolton has been called. Um, I you know, but you know, that's one area where they are strong. They have Turnbull, they have Lewis Hughes, where they're not so strong as they've lost both their first choice scrum halves to the Welsh team. They've lost both their they've Jared Evans has gone to the Welsh team and Matthew Morgan is on is unlikely to be fit. Both their first choice wingers um are, are, are with Wales, but then Lane and Summerhill are back from injury as well, so they could be strong there. But I don't think this team is as good without Willis Halaholo. I think him getting called up for Wales is a major advantage for him. We've always struggled against Halaholo and Lilo, and I think Bundy tends to get a, a little bit caught, caught up in the, in the South Sea Island sort of, um, you know, uh, bravery competition with them. And, he, you know, so it'd be interesting to see where they are. I have no idea. And that's the problem with, with Cardiff. You don't know. There's no way this team, they, they should have lost to the Dragons and didn't. They did beat the Scarlets and they got taunted by, by the Ospreys. It looks like the weather might be okay at the weekend for this. Talking about maybe six degrees with lightish winds, maybe a bit of a breeze um, and a 50% chance of rain. So we might actually be okay. We might actually Where, get... where I do think we will have an advantage, I, I, I do think once you've lost that many players to the Welsh squad, especially in places like centre and prop, you're going to start scraping the barrel in terms of off the bench. Their starting 15 might be quite strong, but what it's, what's it going to be like below that? Now, we've been caught out before in, in international windows by underestimating what's on the bench for our teams. But 
you have to ask yourself is what what will you know what can we bring off the bench in comparison to what they can bring off the bench and getting our three boys back from Ireland camp definitely improved our what we can what we can call on to finish the game in comparison to them. Both teams are under real pressure here, mm-hmm. real pressure. If you start with Cardiff, they're six points behind and they've an extra game played. And the Scarlets also have 12 games played. So Connacht have this game in hand, which is really next Friday night week in Benetton, which is a whole other issue. Mm-hmm. So Connacht, Connacht have this lead. Cardiff have to win this game. If they really want to be serious, I think, about challenging. And it's going to be difficult because of their Welsh situation. Edinburgh are in a similar situation. They have two games in hand on both of those two and a game in hand on Connacht, but they are going to be missing so many players with Scotland. The pressure for Connacht is we're not winning home games. We're getting close in home games, but we're just not winning them. And that has to be in their heads if it gets tight. If Connacht win this and get themselves 10 points ahead of Cardiff and they've still got a game in hand, you think Cardiff are going to go, well, we're not, we're not, we're not catching them. So then they've got to concentrate on Scarlet. So it's, and Di and, Young and, is a very... And Edinburgh, because like if Edinburgh win their game in hand, which it looks like it might be against Benetton as well. Yeah, it's, yeah, Benetton are heavily involved in this. Yeah, and, I, you know, they're, they're going to be in the, in the mix for third place, assuming we can win. Because I think, yeah, I think you're right. If we win this, it really solidifies our chance of second. And if Munster were to slip up somewhere along the way, we're still back in the show because we still have to play Munster. Yeah, and that was Andy Friend today very carefully told somebody we have six may have six games to play, not five, six because it's the final. And I thought, yeah, okay, fair play. That's that's the way that you got to think. Di Young's a fascinating character. Talking mm. about that game at Wasps, he came over for that friendly. Mm. Uh, we went up, uh, and I was sitting very near him. Uh, doing updates for Galway Bay FM. I can't even remember when that was. Was it August of... It was August yeah, of 2019. 2019. Yeah. Back in the days when you could just go anywhere you wanted, <laughs> get in your car and drive hundreds of kilometres if you fancied it, and go into a bar afterwards and eat your dinner. And But anyway, he, he sat very near me and he was fuming. He was absolutely... He was shouting down his microphone. So at halftime, all the other coaches got up and left and he just sat there... I went out to use the facilities, came back, and he sort of made icon. I said, how are you doing? I said, um, how's it going? Uh, no, not good, not good. I said, did, did you not go down to talk to them? There's no point. I'd only be shouting at them. So I just I decided <laughs> to stay up here. <laughs> he just he was Brilliant. just livid. Uh, um, and I, th- I think he's a good character for them. Yeah, and I I think that's maybe what what Wales need in some of these local coaches. They need to get guys back maybe who have a lot of experience, mm-hmm. uh, because players seem to float in and out of these Welsh teams, and they play well for a bit and then they disappear off the edge. So they're trying to tighten up, uh, irrespective of what the fans think of the Pro Fourteen. The Welsh team needs it because that's where their players are mostly playing, apart from the ones that have gone over the border for the big money. Yes, and that's that's probably a topic for another day. But that's one of the problems with their approach to the Pro Fourteen because their best players seem like young Reese Zamet, who looks absolutely stunning. He's only yeah. played a couple of games, but wow! He played against us. He, he played. He played against us in. He scored he a brilliant try. Yeah, he scored a good, scored yeah, a try against us. Well. Yeah, yeah. So he was, was only eighteen. He was only eighteen. Was that at the sports ground or over there? Yeah, that was that was the sports ground. And that's why it's great to go to the sports ground and see players when it's when we get people back. Just remember, folks, you do see the best sportsmen in 
the world some of these guys come to this ground regularly the absolutely. absolute cream de la creme and it's just go up pay your money get in you never know what's going to happen right so who's going to win Dave I'm assuming you're going to tell us Connors are going to win I think Connors are going to win but I, I again I have no it could be by I'll, I'll, I'll rephrase it ever so slightly I don't think Connors will lose but I don't know how much they would win by because that's going to be almost determined by by what mood Cardiff are in. If Cardiff are in the mood for a game, it could be a one two point struggle. We'll get over we, and we get over the line, but we have to play like it's an away game. If Cardiff are not in the mood, this could be an absolute shellacking, and it's I, it shouldn't be like that. But that is how it's going to be. William, to you, the last three scores, the last three times the team has won in this fixture. The scores were 29-22 to Connacht, 29-0 to Connacht and 29-7 to Cardiff. Is the winning team going to have to score 29 points to win? I don't think I've ever seen that before. That's a stunning stat there, Alan. Um, (laughs) I, yeah, I I think Connacht will win this, but I think, I hope it doesn't get tight Mm. because I think there's a danger that that, that they might start to go off script again. I think it's been hammered home to them, the players, that they have to stick to their plans and back themselves in those. I think yeah. if they, if the likes of, you know, who would you start? Would you start Dave Heffernan? Would you start Shane Delahunt? They're, you know, mm-hmm. it's a tough one because the problem is when you come back from Ireland camp, you haven't been playing any rugby. You've just Absolutely. been going to drills and drills and drills and drills. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see that being, they've maybe been on the bench, but I, I'd certainly be starting Bundy. I'd just wind him up and say, go out there and, Let's see what you could really do because he hasn't quite been hitting the straps yet. But yeah, Connacht to win for me. Yeah, yeah. We better start Bundy because we've never won a game when he's come off the bench. All right, that's great stuff. Thanks, guys. Good work. And we'll finish off as normal. We actually will have a fixture list from 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 um, William because we actually have a full set of fixtures this weekend as we record this on Tuesday. All matches are going to be played. Um, so here's the fixtures. Uh, and the tables as they stand coming into the last five matches of the season. Bye, folks. A full round of Pro 14 matches this coming weekend. On Friday, the 19th of February, Dragons versus Leinster, 7.35pm kickoff. Glasgow Warriors versus Ulster, also kicking off at 7.35pm. And four matches on Saturday, the 20th of February. Scarlets versus Benetton with a 3pm kickoff. Ospreys versus Zebre with a 5.15pm kickoff. Connacht versus the Cardiff Blues, 7.35pm. And Edinburgh versus Munster, also at 7.35pm. Conference A. Leinster are on top. They have played 11, won 10, lost 1, 10 bonus points. They have 50 points. In second place, Ulster. Played 11, won 10, lost 1, 6 bonus points. They're on 46 points. In third place, the Ospreys played 11, won 6, lost 5, 3 bonus points on 27 points. In fourth place, the Glasgow Warriors, who have played 10 games. They've won 3, lost 7, 3 bonus points. They have 15 points. In fifth place, the Dragons played 10, won 3, lost 7, 2 bonus points on 14 and Zebre are at the bottom with 11 played, three wins, eight losses, one bonus point and 13 points. Conference B. In 
First place, Munster. Played 11, won 9, lost 2, 6 bonus points, 42 points. In second place, Connacht. Played 11, won 6, lost 5, 8 bonus points, 32 points. In third place, this weekend's opponents, the Cardiff Blues. Played 12, won 6, lost 6, 2 bonus points, 26 points. In fourth place, the Scarlets. Played 12, won 5, lost 7, 5 bonus points, 25 points. Edinburgh, in fifth place, played 10, won 4, lost 6, 3 bonus points, 19 points. And at the bottom, Benetton, played 10, won none, lost 10, 5 bonus points, 5 points. Loose, cut it loose. Break out, or nothing changes. Side. 